Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, weary traveler. Need a short rest? Oh, I see. They said you'd be showing up about now. Come on, through the portal. Best not keep the lore mistress and lore master waiting. You know how they get. Robots Radio presents The Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. My name is Sean. We, dear listener... We're we're fans of magic. Um, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to. I've always been uh, enamored with street magi- magicians. Is that right? Yeah, that's why that what was it that movie. Uh, now you see me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never saw it. I Did... never saw the second one. I saw the first one. I thought it was great. Just magic, you know. I love magic so much fun. It's yeah, cool. yeah. It's a delight. And not like the and not like the David Blaine kind of magic where he's just like in a bubble for like a month, like not eating <laughs> or whatever. Like. Uh, Okay, cool. That's yeah. I guess that's magic. Uh, I'm I'm talking about like uh, I guess like the tricks. Yeah, like the David Blaine stuff that he used to do, where like like close up magic was always awesome. Um, and so it's it's no surprise that the goddess of magic in D and D, Mistra, would be one that uh my ears kind of perk up whenever she gets brought up into the conversation because not only is she the goddess of magic, she is. Some say the most because she is the goddess of magic, because she is essentially magic personified, she is the most powerful deity of them all. And I, I subscribe to that. I mean, it makes sense. And she's got a wild history, a very wild history. And we're gonna get into some of it. I mean, it's it's so wild, it can't be contained within a single show. We're going to dig into a lot of it, uh, the Patron Plus installment for those of you over on Patreon, uh, we'll get the uh, get the deeper dive. We'll discuss um, like the like the prequel of of Mistra, and uh, but yeah, we'll we'll you'll figure out what what I mean by that. But so 
she figures prominently in Baldur's Gate 3. I will say that. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard not to when you're it's hard not to figure into almost every aspect of D&D when you are the goddess of magic. That's true. Yeah, she's got a lot riding on those shoulders. I mean, right? I I, I imagine the um the Australia episode of the Simpsons where they like travel through the earth like they're oh, like the camera pans through the earth and then you have like right. the multi-armed creature in the center pressing yep. all the buttons and she goes Ooh. Oh, that's shiva all the time or that that's not shiva that's mistra that's all the mistra. time yeah all the time uh so let's uh, and uh she's got a bunch of cool nicknames we always kind of uh mary and myself really lament how like the, the the do-gooders the the good folk have super awful nicknames and all the bad guys have the great nicknames but um mistra in keeping with how awesome she kind of is she has some pretty awesome nicknames so we've got the the lady of mysteries which is pretty cool uh mm-hmm. the mother of all magic the mistress of magic our and I, I appreciate this one growing up catholic our lady of spells <laughs> i like that one a lot it speaks to me uh the mother of mystery lady i think that Mag- one's my favorite the mother of mystery yeah, I don't know why. I I think that alliteration is just hitting me in just the right way. It's it's really cool. Uh, Lady Magic, Lady of Magic, Lady of Might, uh, one true spell, and Goddess of Magic. And then there are a couple of derogatory ones, uh, mostly from Cyric. But we all know if you've listened to our episodes on Cyric, you know he is just the absolute worst. Uh, insert the uh, Parks and Rec GIF here with uh, John Ralphio. Uh, Cyric is the worst. Um, so we've got uh, the whore and the harlot. Uh, but then again, they're from Cyric, and Cyric is the worst. So y- y- no decent person would ever think to call Mistra either of those things. Uh, but, uh, you know, unless you're a follower of Cyric, then, but then again, like I said, no decent person would. So, okay, so the goddess of magic is a manifestation of the cosmic balance which appears to write great inequalities or going awry in the magical balance of things. As she appears as a source of light akin to a sort of prismatic will-o'-the-wisp and may use for, you know, and it makes it stands to reason, may use all spells at their maximum level. How many spell slots does she have? I don't even know if if you were to ask her, she would probably say, "I'm sorry." Oh, oh, the spell, the what I what I make everyone that mortal else, thing, yeah, that mortal thing that you have to abide by. Oh, okay, um, and we'll get into sort of um, like the uh, we we'll get into why uh they're only uh you know ninth level spells uh, or up to ninth level spells. Uh, Mistra is constantly shape-changing as far as any observer on the prime material plane is concerned. She is said to have given the first teachings that unlocked the forces that are dubbed magic to the species of the prime material plane. And some argue that has forever after regretted the deed. So I love that sort of uh, mythological um, like parallel with Prometheus and the fire. Mm-hmm. That she did this, like did you know, did uh the the you know uh, she gifted monk- the 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 human humanity or the 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 sentient races, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say like the the shaved monkeys, the you know the <laughs> the shaved primates that managed to you know speak. Uh, she did them a kindness, and she's like I should have done that, at least in right. the eyes of some. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mistra, Mistra is. Uh, lawful neutral on the premise that magic itself is inherently neutral and exhibits uh, internal order and laws. And many mages believe that Mistra determines success to the creation of new spells, new potions, and magical items. So it wouldn't be um, out of the ordinary to uh, for someone to create uh, a magical item and maybe uh, offer some sort of prayer or offering to Mistra, you know, or while well, concocting a potion of some type. So it's kind of like like a Shark Tank thing where it's like, hey, I've created this new spell. Uh, what do you think, Mistra? Is this going to fly? Is this going to work? 
Uh, um, I mean, and then she chooses to invest in it or not. I hadn't considered that. I was, it was mostly like, I've created this magical spell, you know, hopefully it works, you know, shout big shouts out to Mistra. You're, you're the, you're the one. I love you. The reason uh, for the season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They make it work. Uh, but I do like the shark tank idea. Like <laughs> it's like, hey, we got this idea for new potion. It, uh, it, uh, makes you grow a whole bunch of hair. Uh, so, you know, other people think you're just a ball of hair and won't attack you like creatures. And she's like, that's going to be a no from me, dog. <laughs> I'm, I know I'm combining reality shows here. But yeah, it's fine. It's that's fine. fine. It's fine. All of this is fine. Um, okay, so Mistra used to be known as Mistral. And when Mistral reincarnated herself, when Mistral dies uh, and reincarnates herself as Mistra, she uses the form of a beautiful peasant girl learning the basics of cantrip magic, but with the capacity, with the capabilities for arch wizardry. So the reason, really quickly, because we did cover this in our 10th through 12th level spell episode with our good friend, Adam Seats, uh, the reason Mistral had to sacrifice herself was because uh, there was a wild... Um, you know, uh, abuse of power when it came to magic, essentially. Uh, and it's now known as Karsus's Folly. But for a time, there were 10th level spells, there were 11th level spells, there were 12th level spells. Uh, and so as a result, once Mistra is, you know, comes into being, once Mistral sacrifices herself to save the world, essentially, and reincarnates herself as Mistra, her first priority was to recreate the weave of magic that had been shattered as a result of, like I said, this abuse of power. Uh, and this time she made magic follow a few more rules. And one of those rules was that no spell above 10th level would function. And I love this, that when priests and priestesses of the new goddess of magic, uh, like whenever they prayed for spells, they were told the story of Karsis in dreams and, vis and visions. So like, hey, can we get that 10th level spell? They're like, no, and this is why. And they had this um, horrible vision of essentially the world almost ending. I'm like, fine. I just wanted an 11th level spell, but okay. I, I guess. I get it. You had to sacrifice yourself, I guess. Like, you're such a drama queen. Um, and so this was... <laughs> Where's that nickname? <laughs> the drama queen. Our the lady of, of drama. Magic. <laughs> um, and so this was Mistra's attempt to make sure that nothing like this ever happened again. Okay, so Mistra, goddess of magic, makes her one of the most powerful deities in the realms. Like we alluded to at the top of the show, she might be the most powerful, might be more powerful than Ao the Overgod himself. Wow. Also known as the Lady of Mysteries, she is said to have taught the first spellcaster of the realms and to have enabled many of the species to use magic. She retains her home among the clockwork plains of Nirvana, though whether she will leave for a more goodly plane or find her own attitudes change to reflect her duties remains to be seen. Uh, she is aided in her work by Azuth, who is the god of wizards. And so she differs from Azuth in that like Azuth is just the god of wizards. Uh, and to, to a lesser degree, kind of all spellcasters, more or less, you know, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary to have a warlock or a sorcerer um, at least pay homage to Azuth. Mm. But Yamistra is the goddess of the essential force that makes all spellcasting possible. So like, you know, like Azuth is like your, uh, like your general manager, but then... Mistra is the area manager, mm. <laughs> you know, uh, regional manager. Yeah, right. Well, I, I, I'd say, uh, you know, Azuth is the Michael Scott, and um, and Mistra is wh whoever Kathy David Bates. Wallace. Well, I was gonna say whoever Kathy Bates. Kathy, oh yeah, David oh, Wallace yeah. works. Yeah, but, yeah. Later seasons, Kathy Bates. Yeah, Joe. Um, oh, what was your name? I remember Joe. Yeah, yeah. It was Joe something. Joe something. She had two big dogs. Beautiful dogs. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful hounds. Um, so Mistress' symbol is a blue-white star 
before the coming of the avatars and is now a circle of stars in a ring with a red mist rising uh forward or flowing from the center uh although you can both symbols are still in use it's like it's not like you can buy like you know you can it's not like you'll show the blue white star symbol and everyone be like i don't know what that is yeah every, or they'll you know, stone you for it yeah they're like that's not the right one um you know so mr is the goddess of magic and with that the goddess of possibilities you know oh, yeah. almost anything is possible magic i mean you can like my my, my friend died oh did he did he really <laughs> you know and so I, I like i said i really love magic magic's really cool uh, she is most venerated by wizards, obviously, uh, and those who use magic or magical items in their daily use, or in their daily, uh, you know, in, in on the daily. Uh, she is claimed to weigh and judge each new spell or magical item to determine whether it should be permitted into the realms. So, yeah, Shark Tank. I mean, it's it's more Shark Tank than anything. I feel. <laughs> And you know what? So, you know, when they announced the D&D Fast TV um, channel, <laughs> Mary and I came up with several different ideas for possible show, uh, you know, possible shows, the, the programming ideas, right? Uh, one of them being um, like a courtroom comedy, a la Night Court, um, but usually taking like taking place in hell, a bunch of, you know, devils and demons and stuff. Um one of them could be Mistra's Shark Tank, where different I would watch that. <laughs> different uh, magic users, uh, magical item creators show up, you know, with their new spells, and that's a that's a thing too. It you could have, uh, it could be comedy. You know, you could have someone with a really wacky magical item mm -hmm. that seemingly ser serves no purpose. You could have someone, you know, with a with a spell that, um. Yeah, heart cures disease. Story. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, that you know, like they, uh, you know, they lost their job, and they've been working on this for two years, and they don't know, if, you know, if this doesn't pan out, they don't know what's going to happen next. And Mister's like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm going to, uh, I'm gonna weigh and judge that in a good way, and that spell's gonna work. And everyone's crying. There is not a dry, a dry eye, eye in the house, <laughs> in in all the realms. Uh, so that's another idea. I need to start writing all these down. So when I inevitably run into um, the, the head um, of programming, yeah, the head of programming for Dungeons and Dragons Adventures, I'm sure it will. You know, it's only a matter of time. I'm sure that yeah, they're they're somewhere around. Um, so so yeah, so Mister claims to weigh and judge, uh, or is claimed to weigh and judge each new spell, magical item, to determine whether it should be permitted choice decision and knowledge uh with a healthy dose of good for the most for you know most individuals are the hallmarks are of mistress faith she provides and tends the weave the conduit to enable mortal spellcasters and magical crafters to safely access the raw force that is magic uh, Mistrin advisors are common in Azuthian churches and vice versa. Like, you know, that um, goes without saying. I mean, like, they're they're pretty tight. Um, mm -hmm. In the past, Mistra contested with Talos and Gond as rivals, uh, and also with Bane and later Siric over attempts to control or usurp her power. And so she despises Siric. And based on the, you know, uh, nicknames that... Siric has given her probably it, the Good feeling reason. is mutual. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean yeah. the feeling is mutual. <laughs> Doesn't seem like he likes her all that much either. But it seems more like uh more jealousy than anything. Like Siric is just on his part. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 100 percent Siric's the worst. Um, Mistra is fond of uh Kelimvor, Lord of the Dead, who was her love during her mortal life. Uh whether that relationship will again blossom into love is yet to be seen. But, you know, for all you um, shippers out there, hopefully uh, Mistra Kalimvor will be a thing. I would I'll do that in season two of the Shark Tank. Maybe, yeah. He, he shows up with a magic item. <laughs> yeah. And she's, uh, she's awesome. She's, you know, she's uh, speechless. 
She doesn't know yeah, what to say. Yeah, she struck dumb. Yeah, the weave shakes. Or uh, at the uh, or was that the end of season two? Uh, no, no, As that's in the premiere of season two. Oh, that off kicks it off. Yeah, it starts the arc. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. This isn't going to be like Lost, where we just ask a bunch of questions. Like we're going to give you something right away. And so the entire season is a will they, won't they sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Uh, I like this. I like. I need to be writing this down. I need. I got a pen in hand. <laughs> I got a my DCC RPG notepad. Writing these ideas down, baby. <laughs> uh, Mister is also served by the Magister, a title borne by a single mortal worker of the magical arts, chosen by victory in a one-on-one -on -one spell combat to be. And I love this title, Champion of Magic. Uh, so yeah, so if you are the Magister, you are essentially the champion of magic. That's so cool. That's very cool. Uh, one of the most, uh, more recent Magisters was Lady Magister, uh, Nomia, who was elevated to this position in 1354 DR. The latest known Magister was Talitha Verovri, who was killed, uh, who was killed by the founder of the Zentarim. Uh, a fella by the name of Manchun in 1385 DR. So you can be the champion of magic. doesn't make you bulletproof, however. Something to keep in mind, all you would-be magisters out there. Right, thinking like, oh, I'm going to do this, and then I'm set. Well, I, I mean, heavy is the head that wears the crown, after all. Yeah. The, the crown of the champion of magic. Yeah. <laughs> That's... I mean, you have to win combat to begin with, so you got to be pretty good at fighting. No, yeah, absolutely. For sure, 100%. But it, it doesn't make you invincible. Right, yeah. I mean, Father Time is the only undefeated. It's of us all. <laughs> so during the Time of Troubles, Mistra was destroyed and then recreated as a mortal named Midnight who took the mantle of goddesshood and the goddess's portfolio. So before she's destroyed or Mistra's destroyed, she imbues Midnight with a good portion of her power. Mistra approaches her, quote, sister in art and asks Midnight to do her a great worship and to serve her, to which Midnight agrees. Good, she says. I will entrust you. I will entrust to you something of mine. Guard it well. You cannot make use of it. But in turn, it cannot harm thee. Mistra raised her hands to her throat, and a blue-white light was kindled there between her palms. The glow lit her face, that of a beautiful, willful young woman, which hinted a long-born pain. And then her eyes lifted to meet midnight's, and she smiled. So within a pendant housing a clear crystal, Mistral imbued her power, the power of art, as she called it, and gave it to Midnight. And soon after, Mistra goes to confront Ao, the Overgod, but is stopped by Helm, the Faerunian god of guardians and protectors, essentially the patron deity of paladins. Uh, Mistra is arguing with Helm. So the, the whole reason the time of trouble starts is because somebody had stolen the tablets of fate. And so Ao kind of throws a fit and is like, all right, well, if you guys are more, you know, interested in power and not, you know, serving those who worship you, well, then you can just be mortals along with everyone else. And Mistra's whole point is like, look, I had nothing to do with that. I got nothing <laughs> to do with me. I know who did it though. But it got nothing to do with me. So let me get back up into the heavens, essentially. Let me take my rightful place as a goddess. Let me talk to Ao, and let me get back to controlling, you know, protecting and controlling and maintaining the weave like I'm supposed to. You know, Helm asked about the tablets of fate and Mr. Reply, like, look, there's, I don't, I don't, it's got nothing to do with me. I know who <laughs> stole them and I wish to speak to Lord Ao. Let me pass, she told Helm. Without the tablets, I cannot let you pass. Go back and gain the tablets. Advance, cloaked in pride, at your peril. I will not abandon my duty. The patron deity of paladins responded. I mean, he's not the one to mess with. 
Let's be honest. So after some back and forth, Mistra attacks, raising her hands and letting fly a blue white lightning, not a crackling bolt, but a humming, searing, continuous beam. But none of her attacks seem to have any effect on Helm. And at last, when Mistra leaps forward and hurls herself upon him, spitting flames from her mouth, her fiery tears coursing down over both of them, Helm calmly holds her at bay and opens his visor. Mistra Mistra screams as their gazes meet, a horrible shriek that is heard across the realms. Helm draws back a gauntleted fist and smashes it through Mistra's chest. Her body explodes, kabloomers, and a devastating flash of light, heat, and power, the energies of Mistra's parting burst through the gate. So after the goddess's destruction, her essence merges with the land, causing magic to function erratically and creating many wild magic areas and also dead magic areas. So areas where magic functioned, albeit in a completely unpredictable manner, and areas where magic didn't function at all. No Wi-Fi signal. Exactly. But remember, Midnight had given that pendant, or Midnight had had been given that pendant by Mistra. She had that pendant. So using the powers of Mistra, Midnight kills the avatar of Merkel, the god of the dead and one of the dead three, in a duel in the skies above Waterdeep, which is one of, I mean, we're going on almost 200 episodes here. Uh, and this is, that's one of the coolest sentences I've ever read. <laughs> Killing the, essentially the god of the dead in a spell, like fight, a spell duel in the skies above a major, one of the major cities in the Forgotten Realms. So this is a different person than the Lord of the Dead, who she was in love with. Correct. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, Merkel was essentially the god of the dead before Kelimbor. Ah. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, all the portfolio uh, at his home, the Bone Castle. Which is, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, at some point was usurped by Cyric, uh, who we have already established is the worst. Uh, and then later um, uh, was taken over by Kellenbor, who had ascended into that role. Okay. So uh, it's kind of I, I kind of like that a whole lot. Where it's like, like, hey, look, I had beef with the dude with the guy who used to have your job, but you <laughs> seem sweet. You seem nice. It's like on the office when Toby leaves, and then um, what's her name shows up. Oh, what's her name? Holly. Holly, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> It's all like the office, kids. Look, if 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 you know someone who isn't really into D D but loves the office, use any of these any and all of these examples <laughs> to draw them in. To draw them and be like, okay, I'm I'm listening. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, kills the Avatar Merkel in the skies above Waterdeep, and this essentially gives Ao the feeling that this young mage should probably handle all weave. And weave related business. Lord Ao turns to Midnight. Midnight, he says commandingly. I have lost Mistra. I like how he says I have lost her. Like it wasn't your homeboy who punched her to the chest, punched to, her death, in the chest. <laughs> to death. Uh, I have lost Mistra, Lady of Mysteries, Mistress of Magic. She is within you, and yet she was weary and weak and could not now be restored as she should be. I have selected one mortal for malevolence and cruelty. That was Siric, of course, obviously. Siric's the worst. Don't know why you needed to do that, but okay. <laughs> okay, you could have just like left that to, you know, no one no one handles that. It's fine. Yeah. No one makes it their job to make sure that sort of Be stuff evil. happens. Be evil, right. <laughs> um, I hope to select another for wisdom and spirit. Will you take her place? A ring of nine small blue-white stars appear in the air around midnight, dancing softly. Midnight looks both surprised and exhausted. She almost shakes her head. 
At this, Mistra's stated alignment shifts from lawful neutral, maintaining the balance in use of magic to neutral good, reflecting the mortal's attitude toward the uses and purposes of magic. So now with Midnight in charge, you know, um, her alignment was that of, you know, magic is something, is a power that should be used for good. Like it isn't inherently, it, it's, it, it itself isn't, might be inherently neutral, but it needs to be harnessed for good. Mm-hmm. Uh, before, like I said, the before the times of troubles, Mistra was portrayed as a prismatic mill, uh, will of the wisp, capable of using any spell known in the realms. But since then, her portrayal has been of a uh, her human form, which is that of a woman with radiant skin. So that is a brief synopsis of Mistra's uh career i should say um <laughs> like i said in the patron plus installment we'll dig into mistral a little bit and mid uh midnight herself i mean midnight has been in has been mistra essentially for a ma- now a huge chunk of time so definitely deserves her own episode and we will get to that very shortly uh but in the meantime we're going to take a break get to the middle of the show and when we come back we're going to talk about the clerics and the priests of Mistra. Welcome to the middle of the show. Of course, the middle of the show is where we do all of our midly housekeeping type stuff. Like thanking you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you for supporting the show in this way. Uh, if you want to support the show in other ways, you can definitely do so by following us on all the different social medias we're pretty much everywhere at dnd lorecast and you'll find us uh you can email us dnd lorecast at gmail.com ask us questions give us some uh suggestions for future topics you can join the discord join the conversation that's going on almost non-stop over there uh and you could also tell a friend tell someone who you think might enjoy the show uh and we would be forever grateful you can also go over to patreon.com slash lorecast. I mentioned the Patreon Plus installments at the top of the show. That's definitely a perk you can get by signing up over there at Patreon. You get the Patreon Plus installments. You get bonus episodes. You get free merch. You get uh, early ad-free episodes. You get invitations to the actual plays and to the Patreon roundtables. Lots of cool stuff. Uh, if that is uh, to your liking, you can definitely check that out. Uh, but like I said, just listening and uh, supporting the show in that way is way more than enough. Uh, but if you definitely want, if you definitely want to um, support the show in uh, other ways, there are a litany, a laundry list of ways you can do so. Uh, in terms of other housekeeping stuff that we do in the middle of the show, well, we definitely talk about upcoming D and D news. Uh, last week we talked about the upcoming Spelljammer novel that's coming out in June. We've got next month's uh, The Fallbacks Bound for Ruin, which we're very excited about. We got some special stuff planned for that. Uh, but the Spelljammer novel coming out in June, the cover was revealed. Uh, we'll, the link to that is in the show notes to check that out. Very cool cover. Uh, speaking of other books uh, coming out as well, we have uh, in to join the two cookbooks that have already been released. We've got Punchins and Flagons, the official Dungeons and Dragons cocktail book. Uh, it's a cocktail and mocktail recipe book for those of you who do not imbibe alcohol. Uh, it's coming out August 27th. It is 75 deliciously clever D&D themed cocktails and mocktails, as well as, as well as bar bites to sustain any group of players for any time of day. You got really cool stuff um, like cocktails known as the Necromancer or the Hand of of Vecna. Uh, You've got mocktails such such as a morning cup and Baldurian tonic. So that is very cool. Uh, In terms of other news, got an email a little while back. Uh, They usually send this uh, the end of the year, but D&D Beyond gives you like some stats as far as uh, how their product was used. So in 2023, 180 million characters or NPCs were played. 88 million monsters were fought or befriended. 
um, Gale was the most popular Baldur's Gate 3 character. The average age of characters created was 28. And the average level of characters created was between 4 and 5. And the top search, which was 13 million searches, uh, the top word search was Druid and Dragon. So that's cool. Uh, keep playing D&D. That's all, that's all I can say. Just keep playing it. And the final thing we do in the middle of the show, the final bit of housekeeping, is we wander on over to the DMs Guild and see what kind of homebrew shenanigans we can get into. Well, seeing as how we're talking about Mistra, I typed in Mistra in the search bar and see what kind of cool stuff I could find. And I found something very cool. So from Grady Wang and the Gallant Goblin, we have Hill Ball, Volume 1. Mistra is tired of getting murdered whether due to the scheming of her fellow gods or the boundless greed of mortals messing with magical forces beyond their understanding, or just Helm being an obdurate jerk, people keep killing Mistra. She's over it. Since murder is the domain of, of a specific god, there's one obvious solution. Kill Ball. This is a level 20 adventure. You team up with Mistra, the goddess of magic, to in this volume to kill Peshaba, the goddess of misfortune, because obviously it's volume one. You have to work your way up to Ball. Uh, combine mechanics from early encounters into a climactic final battle and take the first steps toward ascending to godhood. Uh, this looks absolutely incredible. This looks so cool. It's got five star reviews. Uh, the entire adventure is only $8.99. Definitely. Check it out, uh, especially since it's high level. It's, it's really cool to see high level stuff like that because very more often than not, campaigns uh, end before you get to that level. And so it's it's to tier four. So it's cool to be able to uh, see that, to, to experience it. So a link to it in the show notes. That being said, let's jump back to the show. Welcome back from the middle of the show. We're talking Mistra. We're talking magic. We're talking all sorts of things. Uh, Sean, you brought up in a, in a quick little break, you brought up that Sarah McLaughlin song, Building a Mystery, and wondered yes. if there was any <laughs> um, possible um, inspirations uh, from Mistra. I can't, uh, you know, I, I do run the McLaughlin lore cast as well. Um, I can't say for sure, however. Uh, but it did uh, spawn an idea, and we'll discuss this at the end of the show before we wrap. If Mistra was a well-known celebrity, who would be the best fit? I, Sarah McLaughlin, that's that's a great pick. That's a great choice. <laughs> that's a great idea. Uh, but we'll give uh, we'll give some more uh, here at the end of the show. Okay. So we're now going to jump to the clergy, the the priests and the clerics of Mistra. They are known as the Servants of Mystery, which is an awesome title to have. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, what do you do? Like, I'm a Servant of Mystery. Like, whoa, <laughs> tell me more. Like, I wish I could, but... But, <laughs> so nature of the... So, yeah, it's the yeah. nature of the beast, babe. Sorry. Uh, most worshippers of the Lady of Mysteries are human, but all natives of Faerun who seek to become powerful in magic without benefit of divine aid must at least appease the goddess with sacrifices. So burning items that have been temporarily enchanted with a spell is the easiest way to do this. Uh, wizards, especially good wizards, hold her name in special veneration, even if they primarily worship Azuth, the you know the god of wizards, or some other deity. And all wielders of magic and seekers of arcane lore of any species are welcome in the service of Mistra. Uh, the hierarchy of the Mistran faith is wide and varied, separating into orders, concentrating on one form of magical energy or another. Uh, clerics, uh, especially priests, wizards, bards, uh, they can all be found in the ranks without regard to experience level or origin. I mean, it, it makes sense because since magic 
really like touches everything, every aspect, every facet of life of the realms. Mm -hmm. It would make sense that you would find almost any sort of class as a any sort of spell casting class uh, amongst the the worshippers and followers uh, and devotees to Mistra. The general rule of the Mistran faith is that talent and ability for the job outweighs social rank or legendary feats. I like that. I like, I don't care. I don't care. Tell me, tell me what you can do, not what you've done, who you are or what you've done. I mean, a legendary feat. What if it was a legendary, like magical feat? I, I mean, that's great. But I mean, does that help us with the job at hand? Hmm. What I'm saying, like, what can you do? Not what you, what you've done. You're only as good as your next one. Hey, there you go, Mister. Uh, look, Mister is a straight shooter. She shoots from the <laughs> hip, Judd Nelson style. All right. Uh, that's a Rolodex cut right there. <laughs> uh, if you understand that reference, you get five lore cast points. Um, <laughs> only those. Clergy members who gain their spells directly from a higher power gain their spells directly from the goddess, but all are welcome within the church's hierarchy. And relations between the various orders and subgroups of the faith are good. You know, it's a no very minimal infighting, which is awesome. Uh, higher level priests or those with title and lands and legendary adventuring priests are called ladies or lords of mystery, which is really cool. Yeah, like to be a lord of mystery, or like would you? Yeah, yeah, that's better than servant of mystery, right? Because it sounds like you're over mystery at that point. I mean, you've got some. I mean, like you have some control over the mystery. I feel like right. You have some authority. Or I mean, mystery. imagine, uh, like you go into a into a into a tavern, and somebody's like, "Hey, like Sean, how's it been? How's it going? I heard you're dating someone new." Like, tell us about her and you're like oh yeah i mean her name is so and so she's a lady of mystery like that's <laughs> like oh like oh the, yeah cue the sitcom Ooh, <laughs> sean's uh, dating up yeah <laughs> uh so titles within the faith vary from temple to temple and follow no standard form across the whole of the church though most temples are pretty self-consistent Mistran temples can be structures of almost any size or style. Um, some shrines are just natural caves or like very, um, you know, um, specific grottos. Uh, though the grace of through the grace of the goddess, Mistran priests who stand in a place sacred to Mistra can cast spells for the maximum possible damage duration. Uh, you know, extent of effect, that sort of thing, which makes sense. I mean, if you are uh, in a place that Mr. is like, that's my, it's one of my special places. I like that place. You <laughs> knew I'd like that place. Uh, it would make sense that you could cast, a, a, you know, any kind of spell, you know, as strongly as possible within that locale. So to keep that in mind, uh, if you're creating any like homebrew adventures, any homebrew campaigns, Maybe incorporate that. Maybe incorporate like a special uh, location that's that's you know special to Mistra that a follower of the deity could use to their advantage. Uh, such places could include uh, obviously any sort of temple or shrine, uh, but also like uh, most private spell casting chambers. Uh, all priests of Mistra can cause their own flesh, uh, all of it, or specific areas such as like a, their hands, to glow at will with a soft blue-white radiance as a boon from Mistra. You know how much you'd save on candles every year if you could just light up? I mean, that'd be a, a reason just to just to Join follow. the church, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, babe, this just makes financial sense. It's like, or, but, yeah. But, <laughs> But I don't want to convert. I'm like, I'm sorry. This is, you know. I'm sorry. I want to. I want to read after dark. And it could just be your finger. You just follow along with the page. Exactly. It'd oh, be man. amazing. Oh, I got to join this church. Well, you you would get the radiance, which is known as weave glow, which is also a very cool name. Yes. Um, and here's the thing: it is enough to read by, 
or to allow a priest to clearly see items and surroundings within five feet. So you couldn't like light up your entire house, but you're not stubbing your toe in the dark. Right, exactly, yeah. Uh, most mistrins keep this sign as a favor of the goddess, secret from non-believers. Um, as something mysterious, as a result, you know, if someone doesn't really know what that is, it can be more useful allowing them, for example, to uh, feign an affliction or, a, or you know, to uh, fake a magical attack, which I like that. Like you're like at some social gathering that you don't want to be at and you're like, oh, I don't feel good. What's going on? And you, like your hand starts glowing like, oh, my gosh, I, I got to go. I'm so sorry. <laughs> my my best, you know. That's what I would do all the time. Yeah, yeah, because you, you hate parties and you always want to leave. I just I want to be home with my D&D books. <laughs> Why do you make you don't want to be at yeah you don't want to be at the party no I want to be can I can I bring my books I mean yeah I got no problem with you reading at the party I should do it's that. my party I should just you should go. I should everywhere I go have a D and D book with me yeah yes. under your arm and then if I'm reading that you know your party is not cool <laughs> like I am not having a fun time what if though you start a trend and by the end of the party everybody's reading oh that would be cool are they reading D and D books. I mean, it depends on what they got on hand. Did you bring enough for everybody? Uh, I mean, I could. Yeah, just keep them in your trunk. <laughs> your I car. mean, it's like, oh, bro, it's... you're reading. I wish I was reading. It's like, well, come on out. <laughs> Pop the trunk. Take your pick. Uh, conceivably, uh, it'd have to be a pretty big party for me not to have one for everybody. Yeah, you do have a lot of D&D. &D I have a problem, some would say. You have a dedication to the lore. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that's what I've been trying to tell people. I, that's what I've been trying to get you to say for the last 24 years. Um, okay, so so magic is a great power. And Sean, what comes with great power? Great responsibility. That's right, Uncle Ben. Mistra's clergy are given the following charge upon aspiring to the faith. Love magic for itself not just as a ready weapon to reshape the realms to your will. Learn when not to use your magic, and you have will have learned true wisdom. A lot of these um, feel like something like a karate sensei would tell you on <laughs> yeah, your first day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like this one, um, play with magic and learn how to best wield it, but not when the price is paid by others. Strive to use magic less and less as your powers develop, not more and more. Often the threat and promise of art, capital, you know, capital A, which is what Mistra refers to as magic, he calls it the art. Oh, nice. Often the threat and promise of art outstrips its performance. Remember always that magic is an art, the gift of the lady, and that those who can wield it are privileged in the extreme. Conduct yourself humbly, not proudly, while being mindful of this. Use magic deftly and efficiently. Eschew carelessness and recklessness in the unleashing of art. When magic imperils you, hide it or hurl it away into other planes rather than destroy it. For any destruction of art is a sin. Seek always both to learn new magic and to create new magic. But experimenting to learn to craft something oneself is better than merely buying scrolls or hiring tutors. I like that. I like, you know, and I feel that's what's missing in today's educational system. Like you gotta, <laughs> sometimes you got to learn by doing. Yeah, yeah. You got to go out in the field. Uh, exult more in creation than in hurling spells and ensure that your creations are shared with others and so outlive you. And finally, those who succeed in this last and in maturing into true wisdom and consideration for the greater balance of things in Faerun in the use of art are most favored in the eyes of the lady and will serve her beyond death as beings who have become one with magic and live on in it forever. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, uh, karate dojo in there. But there's mm -hmm. a lot of, mm -hmm. I, th I think there's a lot of cool stuff in there too. 
Not that really karate like that. dojo stuff isn't cool. Yeah, karate dojo stuff is very cool. It's very uh, cool. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, we're we're pro uh, dojo wisdom uh, here. <laughs> we need to make that shirt. <laughs> the D and D uh, cast pro dojo wisdom. <laughs> uh, I really love the beginning of it. Love magic for itself, and not as a ready weapon to reshape the realms to your will. This idea of Loving a thing for what it is rather than what it can do for you. Um, right, no. And it's um, a nice larger principle to have. I, I feel that uh, anyone who plays a spellcaster uh, should read that because not a single person that I can think of <laughs> you know, built a wizard or a sorcerer or a warlock uh, without thinking like, oh, man, I'm going to I'm going to mess some stuff up with this guy. <laughs> Very powerful. Very powerful. Mm-hmm. At least uh, in the later levels. Uh, first few levels, kind of squishy. Ray of Frost. <laughs> Magic Missile. <laughs> Magic Missile. <sighs> uh, but now uh, in one of my campaigns, the uh, Warlock especially, uh, shouts out to uh, Xylalore, is becoming frightening with power. <laughs> so hopefully... Uh, Hopefully it doesn't kill us all. Uh, so Mistrin clergy work hard to preserve all magical lore in secret libraries, private safe holds, well-guarded research laboratories, and small hidden stashes so that magic flourishes in the future regardless of what befalls the thinking races of Faerun or the powers of the plane. It's going to outlive us, baby. Mistrins also search out beings skilled in spell use seeking to keep watch on the identities the powers and behavior of individuals likely to become magic wielders of importance so so there's some jedi sort of action there Mm -hmm. make sure they get their midichlorian counts you know cataloged yeah (laughs) at least they're not taking babies away from their families like the jedi (laughs) at least there's that for sure At least they're not separating babies from their parents. Uh, Not everyone can find old magic of note, but all clergy of Mistra can devise their own new magic upon gaining sufficient experience, and they are expected to do so. In this way, magical study remains a growing, vibrant thing, and magic does not merely become a handy power that will serve rulers and engineers as a tool to tame the realms but remains a thing of wonder uh, in Waterdeep, the church of mistress celebrates god's day on the 15th of marpanoth the anniversary of midnight's elevation to divinity as the new mistra it's a huge festival uh, centered around the house of wonder that ends in magical fireworks that go long into the night and this holiday is being gradually adopted by the shrines and temples of Mistra throughout Faerun. I keep in mind this is in Waterdeep where that epic sky battle took place. Right, like, right. Ground uh, zero. Right. Yeah. So on the whole, though, the worship of Mistra tends to be a personal thing rather than a series of calendar rituals. Uh, for some mages whom the goddess counts as devout believers... It never goes beyond a whispered prayer of thanks to her with each spell that they cast, coupled with some thought as to the moral consequences of the use of this spell or that spell. And for Mistra, that's enough. It doesn't have to be this huge ornate thing. Just, you know, quick like, hey, appreciate the magic missile. Should I have used that magic missile, though? <laughs> Tommy have... was my friend. <laughs> but he did call me a jerk. Oh, and and I have like, like, at least you at least you had you pondered it. At least there was some <laughs> thought. Uh, the goddess uh, gains both delight and strength, however, from beings who do more in reverence to her. And we'll end this discussion with two ceremonies of personal significance that stand out: the starflight ceremony and the mage fire ceremony. So starflight is often used as an initiation when an individual joins the priesthood of Mistra or a celebration when two worshippers are wed. It's a special ceremonial cooperative magic worked by several priests that empowers one of the faithful to fly 
so long as stars are visible in the sky. This can make long journeys easy, provide a just joyous change of pace, serve as a special means of looking over the land, achieve privacy for important discussions, or uh, place one of the faithful a safe distance away from precious things in order to try hurling spectacular spells. <laughs> uh, and obviously it can provide a very special beginning for one's marriage. It's like, baby, remember when I made us fly? <laughs> remember uh, when I got that? Remember when I set that up for us? <laughs> Our fly night? Our fly night? Uh, I mean... The sun is a star, so technically you'd just be able to fly unless it's cloudy, right? What well, says stars, plural? Oh, that's true. Okay, so if you can only see one star, yeah, that's how they get you. That's how okay. they get you. That's the fine print. <laughs> can you imagine uh, a star flight at somebody's wedding where the somebody besides the bride and groom flew, like the efficient flew in oh. and out, and he was like, "Aren't I so special?" <laughs> it's like yeah, it, the equivalent of someone wearing white. Right at your wedding. Oh, that is a <laughs> faux pas. Uh, the other ceremony, Mage Fire, is a renewal. It is uh, the exciting feeling of great magical power surging through one's body, blazing out as flickering blue fire as it spills forth, cleansing and renewing. With enough clergy powering it, this cooperative ceremonial magic can heal all sorts of fell conditions. The servants of mystery, the lords and ladies of mystery, describe it as, quote, the most blissful feeling one can know. And it is described as the most spectacular thing to watch. The mistress to be affected lies down on the ground, and the circle of celebrants pour power into the worshiper until his or her body, blazing with blue fire, slowly rises to hang in midair above those fueling the ceremony, humming and crackling with the power of the magic surging through it. Magefire then often ends in a starflight ceremony, providing the celebrants in tone the correct incantation. So like you usually like heal someone and to celebrate, like go flying around. Little, <laughs> I mean, I would. You little weirdo. I, I would go flying at the slightest excuse. I would slap starflight onto everything I did. <laughs> Uh, may uh, the hymn to the lady uh, is a solemn ritual performed at funerals and mage moots that calls up visions of dead mages and mystery and clergy as a plain song dirge, uh, which is often intoned by the living, living clergy present. Mr. often uses these visions to insert her own guiding scenes. A modified mage, fair, uh, mage fire ceremony can be employed at the end of this hymn to raise the honored dead aloft uh, into a flo floating pyre on high. So not only for healing, but also as a way to sort of um, honor the dead. Yeah. yeah. Which is cool. That so that about wraps cool. it up. But before we leave, if Mistra was if, uh, a living celebrity or not, not even, not necessarily living, but well-known celebrity. Who would you, who best fits the ideals of Mistra? Do you think? I mean, I feel like we both have one answer in mind. I, I don't think, I don't know. I don't. I think mine's uh, a little, um, a little out of the left field. But what, what, what's yours? Okay. Well, both of mine are musicians. Okay. Uh, so the other one I had was Taylor Swift. Okay. Okay. Um. I don't know. There's just something like her cultural impact and the way that she is literally weaving our culture at this point. <laughs> um, I like that. I like that a lot. Actually, I'm not going to lie. Um, I mean, that's where my my head went. I, I thought for sure that would be your pick, too, uh, as a big Swifty. But uh, apparently you've got something else. OK, so, I mean, with sort of the like the the magic, obviously, and like how um mysterious it is uh mm -hmm. i was gonna go stevie nicks oh yeah that's really good that you know, that yeah that's that's kind of more on brand so uh i think stevie nicks would be a great choice as mistra if uh if we are somehow changing reality to 
become the Forgotten Realms. I don't think you could go. Uh, maybe maybe she is Mistra, you know, the original Mistra, and Taylor mm-hmm. Swift is like the Midnight Mistra. That that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a frightening amount of sense. <laughs> well, that being said, now that Sean is frightened, that means the show is <laughs> over. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for letting us be a part of your life, even for this short amount of time. Uh, we'll be back next week with some more lore. My name is Sergio. My name is Sean. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at D&D Lorecast or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons and Dragons. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net I don't like games. Nah, I I hate games. Dungeons and Dragons I hate most of all.